0: Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This thing Monday Night Raw, this fight way! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio for Thursday, September 5th, 2019. I am Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. Coming off a great Labor Day weekend, how can you complain about all the wrestling we got on Saturday between the New Japan show, which I never had a chance to watch. I don't really go out of my way more often than not to watch the New Japan stuff, but I heard it was a great show. Uh, NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff on Saturday afternoon, and then AEW All Out later on that night. I didn't watch the New Japan Show. I couldn't even watch TakeOver until Sunday morning because I was in Chicago for All Out weekend. I didn't go to All Out. More on that later and how that weekend came about for me and why no one knew about it until Saturday itself. Um, but what cannot be denied is that it was a great day for anyone who considers themselves a fan of professional wrestling. We're going to talk all about it Stands the New Japan Show. Here on today's episode of Rant Radio, we're talking TakeOver Cardiff, all out, Raw from this week, SmackDown as well. The latest matches added to the Clash of Champions card for next Sunday, September 15th. Um, great month coming up of professional wrestling, and I can't wait to talk all about it right here on Wrestle Rant Radio. Uh, I was going to say that I'm going to be taking a break from going to wrestling shows for the foreseeable future, as I was at Northeast Wrestling about two, three weeks ago in Norwich, Connecticut. Got a chance to meet Funaki, which was really funny. I had a great time there with Alexis. We then went to Big Time Wrestling the week after that to meet Bret Hart, MJF, and a few others, Demolition. Great time of that show, and that was in Enfield, Connecticut. And then the very next weekend, we didn't go to a wrestling show per se, we didn't go to All Out, um, but we were in the area. We did a lot of traveling, obviously, for uh, Chicago, StarCast, All Out that weekend, This just a couple days ago as I record this. So, uh, And I was going to say I'll be taking a break from going to any wrestling shows for the foreseeable future, but... Then again, how can I pass up an opportunity to go to Raw this Monday at Madison Square Garden? Especially when Stone Cold Steve Austin is on the bill. They're advertising him for the show. The Undertaker will be on SmackDown, but if I'm going to go to one show or the other, um, Raw fits more of my schedule than SmackDown does. Alexa, same thing. So we might check out Raw in NYC. Uh, We shall see. I was at Madison Square Garden earlier on this year for the G1 Supercard show. An amazing event. Um, But to be there for a live Raw for the first time in 10 years, they have not taped TV at Raw, or rather in msg for Raw, SmackDown, whatever, um, since November of 2009 when we had that awesome Kofi Kingston, Randy Orton moment when uh, Kofi boom-dropped him through that commentary table at the side of the arena um and how times have changed the more things change the more they stay the same as they're still feuding to this day um on the smackdown brand for the wwe championship so it's again the more things change with kofi's champion the more they stay the same with him feuding with randy orton so i like it i like it we'll see how they uh Kind of a build off of that from what they did 10 years ago, this coming Tuesday on SmackDown. But I might be in attendance for that show. We'll see. Not SmackDown, but Raw. Undertaker will be on SmackDown. I've seen Undertaker in, in, uh, you know live and in person a number of times by this point. Probably three. Um, I saw him, actually maybe four. I saw him in my first ever SmackDown show about 10 years ago. Almost exactly 10 years ago, November of 2009. Um, he may have been to the fan appreciation show that he went to in Hartford, Connecticut the following year. I don't remember. I want to say that he was, but he also may not have been. I don't think he was. Um, But I did see him at SummerSlam 15 when he faced Brock Lesnar. I got to see him at um, WrestleMania 33 when he lost to Roman Reigns. Didn't see him at WrestleMania this year, but I did see him at the Raw the next night when he came out. So, Undertaker's entrance is something you have to encounter, or rather experience at least once. And Alexis and I can say that we have because we were at that Raw after WrestleMania this year. So we'll probably not be at SmackDown. We're aiming for Raw. We're having Stone Cold Steve Austin appear on the show, which is awesome, as well as the Triple Threat Match, uh, unprecedented Triple Threat Match in the semifinals of the 2019 King of the Ring Tournament, Baron Corbin, Ricochet, Samoa Joe, battling it out for a spot on the Clash of Champions card with the winner facing either Chad Gable or Andrade, or rather Chad Gable or Elias, from the SmackDown brand. We'll find out on Tuesday. More on that as we get to our Raw and SmackDown reviews. But before I go any further, I don't know how it took me this long to bring this up, but Rant Radio new episodes every single Thursday. Not only on nextdaywrestling.net, but also on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio. we're on Google Play, Podbean, all over the place, baby. So download the podcast today. Get every new episode on Thursdays, as well as every archived episode dating back to October of 2013. Yes, the show's debut is available as well. As bad as it was, you can still check it out here on any platform you're listening to this to. Uh, you're listening to this show on, rather. Uh, as for me, folks, you can find me on the socials, on Twitter, at WrestleRant on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash. Graham.gsm.matthews, as well as on YouTube at youtube.com backslash c backslash Graham GSM Matthews. We actually recently surpassed 3,500 subscribers, uh, which is really fucking cool, as I only got past 3,000 subscribers, like no joke, no more than a month or two ago. So I have to do some sort of, you know, um, 3,000 or 3,500 rather subscriber celebration Um, At some point on the channel, probably a live stream. Um, After all the fun that I had with Hashtag 300 just last week, um, Hashtag AskGSM300 last Wednesday. So we shall soon see. Maybe at some point I'll do a live WrestleRant radio. I think that'd be a lot of fun, um, and then put it up on the feed afterwards. So maybe at some point we can experiment with that. I think that'd be a lot of fun. But um, nonetheless, um, thank you guys for tuning into the show as always. This past weekend in Chicago actually came about... About a month ago, late July, July 18th, I want to say, or rather, I think it was the 18th. It was either the 17th or the 18th. I think it was the 18th that StarCast announced that CM Punk would be at the convention um, in Chicago for All Out Weekend. And I remember that because July 17th, I regard as like a national CM Punk day as regard as ridiculous as that sounds, just because it's the anniversary of when he won the WWE championship at money in the bank, 2011 back in, you know, 2011, uh, eight years ago at this point, which is unbelievable to think about. But anyway, where's the time gone? I found that out that CM Punk would be there. I literally tweeted out that I would be there, but I never announced that I was going to the CM Punk signing officially. Um, Alexis and I got our tickets the very next week literally the second they went on sale I uh, scooped up a meet and greet with CM Punk I only got one, we only needed one Um, you only really buy two if you um, you only really buy two if you have two different people whatever, so um, taking two separate pictures Alexis and I obviously in the same picture so we only really needed one we only needed one autograph so it was cool Um, but yeah, that was back in late July. We booked the official... We actually got that before anything else. We got the trip to Chicago before... Or rather, our CM Punk meet and greet before anything else. We then booked the trip to Chicago a short time afterward. uh, Maybe just a few short weeks later, before everything was made official. Got the hotel, you know, the um, airfare, everything involving, you know, uh, Chicago. So we got that all booked by early August. And then we were officially going by... Late August, uh, when everything was all cleared up with work stuff and everything else, we were good to go, and we flew in on Friday. Friday afternoon, I want to say. It was perfect, because leaving Hartford in the afternoon on a Friday, there was nobody there. Everyone was either on vacation or traveling earlier. We just, we we went in at a perfect time. Had no delays, no issues. United is great. Actually got a discount on the flight from StarCast. So thanks to StarCast for that through their official website. That was awesome of them to do that. Um, it was by like maybe 10%, but that adds up with airfare, which is, you know, always a couple hundred bucks at least. Um, but we flew in on Friday. We hung out in the area of where our hotel was um, on Friday evening, just chilled out, watched NXT and my Roku, had to bring that with me. And then on Saturday, we got up bright and early to get to the hotel, um, the Hyatt Regency in Schamburg, Chicago, kind of like a, a section of Chicago, I suppose. Um, like Rosemont is not technically Chicago. It is, but it isn't. You know how like Money in the Bank 2011 was in Chicago. It really wasn't. It was in Rosemont, but they'll say it's in Chicago because it was technically Chicago. You know, it's on the outskirts of Chicago. But anyway, went to the meet and greet on Saturday morning. Got the AM session, which was even better because Punk was uh, still nice and fresh and in the great mood. I don't know about the afternoon session. I'm sure he was still in the great mood by that point, but. Uh, as soon as we walked in, I completely forgot anything and everything I was going to say to the guy, just because, as most of you probably know, CM Punk, for me, has been a ginormous inspiration. Um, dating back almost even a decade, I started watching in April 2008, he wasn't a favorite of mine dating back that early. Uh, William Regal has always been my number one, but CM Punk has always been a bigger inspiration than Regal in more ways than one in terms of his you know, PMA, positive mental attitude, his straight-edge lifestyle. Um, I modeled myself after Punk in that respect. I have never drank. I've never smoked. I've never done drugs. And uh, obviously most of that is of my own personal choice, but it what, you know, it got inspired from and started from Sam Punk and how he did it many, many years ago. Um, so he was always on my bucket list, like top two with William Regal of wrestlers I've always wanted to meet. Also on that list was Christian and Chris Jericho, both of whom I was fortunate enough to meet for the first time two years ago. I I, uh, crossed Jericho off the list, no pun intended, uh, back in August of 2017, then Christian off the list in November of 2017 at a Rhode Island Comic Con, a convention here in the Northeast. Um, I always knew CM Punk was up there, though he was going to be a lot more difficult to get, just because the guy never travels anymore. I know he was at New York Comic Con late last year. Um, but he wasn't doing any signings. It was just a panel talking about God knows what, maybe Star Trek or something like that. He was here in the area on the Northeast, but he wasn't doing any signings, so that was disappointing. So I didn't go to that. But when I found out well in advance that he would be at this one, I was like, "Fuck, I gotta go. I have to go." Like I love Chicago for one thing. I really had—I no- never had any desire of going to All Out. I really didn't because that was just a double or nothing with rj earlier this year going to all out would have been a little much going to chicago in general is probably a little much but hey desperate times call for desperate measures and when a cm punk meet and greet is up for grabs you got to take it it was a once in a lifetime opportunity hey maybe he'll be back next year and maybe i could have gotten it then but i could not wait any longer it's been 10 years i've been idolizing this guy and i had to go when i did so um we waited in line for about maybe an hour, a little over an hour, once the line started to get moving, which was cool. And we talked to these two great fans right in front of us in line, which is very hit or miss. If you've ever been to any autograph signings for wrestlers or even WrestleMania Access or WrestleCon, you fucking know firsthand that it is very hit or miss with wrestling fans. And that's not a knock on fans, even though it's kind of the truth. Um, a lot, Almost every wrestling fan is very nice. But sometimes you'll get people who just talk your ear off when you have no desire to talk to these people and they have no idea what they're talking about. Speaking of Chicago, I was waiting in line for Willis Tower um, last June when I went to Chicago. And I saw this guy in front of me. He was wearing like a Shinsuke Nakamura t-shirt. And he was asking me if I was going to take over that night. And I said, yeah. I'm like, oh, cool, wrestling fan. And then he starts going off about how much he loves John Cena. He hates Jinder Mahal, but not in like an intelligent way. Like a fucking Mark way. And I'm a Mark. We're all Marks. But, I mean, it was one of those things where, like, God, I think this guy still thinks it's real. And I need to get out of here. Plus, the line took three hours, so I didn't get to end up doing it. Sears Tower, Willis Tower, whatever you want to call it. um, Didn't get a chance to do that this time either. We were only there for two days. But, anyway, going back to my original point, the people we waited in line with at the CM Punk meet and greet were great. We actually got interviewed on camera by the StarCast people because we... Uh, We're talking to the people in front of us and the people with the camera, the camera crew heard that we were from Connecticut, that we came all the way from Connecticut to meet CM Punk. They thought that was fascinating. They interviewed us, Alexis and I both, um, and never made the Twitter account. They said, oh, it would be on Twitter. They did post a video of um, people getting interviewed, though the audio was awful, and I think they ended up removing it. We weren't even in that video anyway, but it was still cool. And then we got up to the front of the line. I'm like shaking internally, especially, but even on the outside, too. And that sounds ridiculous, but when you wait like such a long time to meet someone that you've looked up for, you've looked up to forever, it it, it's something that you can't really put into words. And I've had that before with again guys like Christian and Christopher Lloyd, but Punk I got to talk to for like almost a minute or two, which isn't a lot, but like when you have a whole other line of people waiting to meet this guy, that's a long time. So we got our picture taken with them, which. You can see is my new Twitter profile picture. It's my new Facebook page profile picture. It's an amazing picture. Um, but he could not have been nicer. I just spilled my heart out. Uh, let, let it all pour out for like two minutes talking about how big of an inspiration he is on me. And I'm sure he's heard that a million times. But I did show him something that he's probably never gotten before. And that after every graduation that I've had from school, whether it was high school, my undergrad, graduate school just recently... I put the diploma in the fridge, which sounds random as all hell. But if you are a WWE fanatic, you would know that CM Punk put his WWE championship belt in the fridge after winning it in Chicago and Money in the Bank 2011, uh, eight years ago. And I always thought that was the funniest thing. So I mocked that by putting my diploma in the fridge after I got it from graduation that, that day, whether it was high school, undergrad, graduate, whatever. So that's exactly what I did. Um, and it was really fucking cool because he started laughing and he's like, oh, that's not dumb at all, blah, 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 because I said it was dumb. And we just went back and forth for a little while. So it was just an awesome experience. He got to sign my Intercontinental Championship rep- uh, replica title, which if you follow me on social media, you know, is probably one of my most prized possessions. I got it as a gift about two and a half years ago. And in that time, including CM Punk, I've had 30 former Intercontinental Champions sign that thing. From CM Punk to Bret Hart a week ago, Shawn Michaels earlier this year, Ric Flair, um, Chris Jericho, Christian, Rob Van Dam, Marty Jannetty. We've had all the greats sign this thing. Ricky Steamboat, Cody Rhodes, John Morrison, Ryback, Velveteen, Billy Gunn, Rey Mysterio, The Godfather, D'Lo Brown. The list goes on and on and on and on. A lot of people have signed this title. And I had to get CM Punk on there eventually, as he's a former IC champion. So, to have that was really fucking cool, but the whole thing was awesome. So, I hate to keep rambling on about my experience meeting CM Punk, but for those interested, um, that's how it went. And it was just a great time. So, we explored the rest of StarCast. It was not in as big of a room as it was for Double or Nothing in Vegas, This was less of a convention center like that one was, and this was more of like, I mean, that was a hotel too. This was a hotel, but it was like a a dingy room downstairs. Um, Very, very small, and there was wrestling fans everywhere. The attendance keeps going up and up, so I I understand that it was packed with people, but it was kind of hard to get around at certain points. But uh, Brian Pillman Jr. was there, Hornswoggle, Alicia Attout, the interviewer, um, Jimmy Hart was doing pictures and autographs. He was there. Sergeant Slaughter. I only really wanted to meet Brian Cage, so that's what I did. Talked to him for a while about Lucha Underground. I said I was a big fan of his from Lucha, and um, he kind of gave me the scoop as to why it's not being brought back. And there were too many cooks in the kitchen type of thing, you know, where there were too many people that had the power to make decisions that were making the wrong decisions, and that's why the show was. Essentially canceled. I mean, it hasn't been brought back, so I say it's canceled. But it could always return at some point if they, if they wanted to. Um, they haven't aired any new episodes in close to a year, so I think it's practically dead. All but dead at this point. But yeah, anyway, to talk to Brian Cage, the current Impact World Champion, was really, really cool. And then we took off from StarCast. We went to Navy Pier, which is where I was last time I was in Chicago. I fucking love Navy Pier. It's a beautiful walk, a lot of stuff to do over there. There's a carnival, places to eat, they had a beer festival. I'm not really into the alcohol, obviously, but it was still cool to see anyway. We then went from there to a restaurant to meet up with my uh, colleagues from Bleach Report, which was really fucking cool. Some people I've never even met in person before, so shout out to uh, the doc, Chris Mueller, and Eric, my editor. They were both awesome to talk to and chat with, have dinner with. That was cool. Went from there to the hotel. We we had a shot. We were like, Alexis and I went back and forth about attending All Out, which would have been fun, but we were tired anyway, and it would have been more money, and it also, the seats would not have been great. Now, the seat, or the, you know, ticket prices went down dramatically, from like 120 bucks to $40 the day of the show, like hours before the show, not even an hour before the show, And we ultimately decided against it just because, again, we were tired and I would have rather just watched it from the hotel, which is exactly what we did. I was able to get a free stream, not through like a legal means, but because I write for Bleach Report, I got a free stream for the show, which was fucking cool. So we got to watch the show for free live from the hotel on my Roku and it was very, very relaxing. It was a lot of fun. And the show is great, so we'll get to it right now, AEW All Out on Saturday afternoon, or rather Saturday night. I'll get to um, my UK TakeOver Cardiff review in a little bit. I might as well talk about it All Out since I'm on the subject of um, you know uh, my weekend in Chicago and AEW All Out weekend. So to kick off the show, we had a 21-woman casino battle royale with a winner facing either Rio or Hakuro Shida for the inaugural AEW Women's Championship on the episode of AEW on TNT on October 2nd, the debut show on TNT. Um, This featured a lot of different women, some women we already knew going in, some new faces that I was not expecting. Uh, This whole thing I thought was good. A lot of blown spots and just awkward moments and the order of eliminations I thought was weird at certain points. Overall, though, I thought this was very good. And a lot of these women I'm very familiar with. I was more familiar with more of these women than I thought. Honestly, looking at the... Listen now, I probably know ninety percent of the people that were in this thing that I was I was honestly not expecting that at all. Um, so we had going in the order of entrance involved in this thing, we had Shalahandra Royal, which I've I've never heard of her before. Leva Bates, obviously the librarian. Fabia Paci, I have seen her impact in impact before, she's very good. Uh, Priscilla Kelly, she was in the first ever May Young Classic. Or the first or second, probably the second, but she was in the Mae Young Classic. And also infamous for that whole tampon controversy a couple months ago, late last year, which was uh, gross, to say the least. Nyla Rose, uh, Penelope Ford, Shaza or Shaza McKenzie, Sadie Gibbs, who I know signed with them months ago, and she's very good. Big Swole, who I think is Mrs. Cedric Alexander, if I'm not mistaken. Britt Baker, Danielle Dashwood, Ivelisse, Bria Priestley, Brandi Rhodes, Awesome Kong. Yeah, Danielle Dashwood was in the uh, Battle Royal. Even though she's currently under contract to Impact, she was in the Battle Royal. So, I'm not sure what that was all about. I mean, I would have loved to have seen her in Impact, or rather AEW over Impact, but that's not the disimpact because they have a great women's division over there. But I'm just surprised. I was surprised that she was on this show. I guess they were able to work something out. So, she wasn't in it for very long, but it was cool to see her nonetheless. And uh, maybe she can work more appearances with them. She can make more appearances, hopefully. She can do more dates with them. I think that'd be awesome. She's a great talent. One of the best women's wrestlers out there, I would say. That isn't that isn't really doing a whole lot. She's in Impact now, but she was a free agent for a while. She was with Ring of Honor for about a year and left there earlier this year. But, um, yeah, hopefully this is not the last we've seen of Tenille Dashwood in AEW. But Ivelisse is great. Bea Presley. I haven't seen a whole ton of her. I just haven't been overly impressed, but she's good, too. Brandy Rhodes, Awesome Kong are what they are. They're, I mean, Brandy Rhodes isn't great. Awesome Kong is past their prime, but still cool to see her. Allie, Nicole Savoy, Teal Piper, the daughter of Roddy Roddy Piper, which is fucking awesome. ODB from the Impact Days. I got into ODB. Um, had to know that ODB was going to be there, considering that she is also currently a free agent. Jazz, the former WWE Women's Champion, was also involved in this thing. And then the Joker, the last spot, went to Mercedes Martinez. Who was in both the first and second Mae Young Classics from last year and the year before? Um, highly regarded as one of the best uncontracted women's wrestlers out there today. She is fucking fantastic. She went pretty far in the Mae Young Classic both years. She may have made it to the semifinals both years, I think. I know last year she lost to, I want to say, Tony Storm. She came close, but she lost to Tony Storm. I don't know about the year before. She might have lost to Kyrie Sane before Kyrie Sane went on the one at all. But yeah, she is fantastic. She got a great reaction. And if that reaction was any indication, she is a fucking star. And AEW should sign her. And without a doubt, she is great. Um, she didn't last too long. Again, I wish she would have won the whole thing, but we can't always get what we want. Nyla Rose ended up dumping out Britt Baker, who, uh, you know, uh, Nyla had an, a, a bit of assistance from. Uh, Bea Priestley from ringside they pulled the old Royal Rumble 1992 finish with this thing but yeah Nyla Rose ended up winning the whole thing I was not a big fan of the outcome it has nothing to do with the whole intergender or rather transgender thing it has more to do with the fact that she's just not good she's just not with all the talent that you had in this match you can't tell me that they could have put Mercedes Martinez, they couldn't have put Mercedes Martinez in the finals or Ali, or Awesome Kong even, Elise. Sunil Dashwood, Britt Baker was my pick. Uh, really anyone else but Nyla Rose. It could be worse, but it could certainly be better as well. So that was a questionable call in my in my opinion. But uh, Rio ended up going on to defeat Akura Shida later on in the show. I'm, I'm jumping all over the place here. So it will be Rio and Nyla Rose on the premiere show of AEW on TNT in October to crown the inaugural AEW Women's Champion. Hopefully, Rio wins the whole thing. I don't know if people would argue, oh, nepotism because she's friends with Kenny Omega, blah, blah, blah. I would hope not, um, but you never know, I guess. But I I would think that Rio is a far better option than fucking Nyla Rose, who is, she's just not good. She really is not good. Uh, It could be a good match, but I'm just not a fan. Anyway... Um, also on the show, on the buy-in, the pre-show, we had Private Party beating Anhelico and Jack Evans. Very fun match. Private Party are well on their way to becoming stars. They're a great tag team, so I'm glad they're signed with the AEW. And Anhelico and Jack Evans are, you know, uh, you know, great athletes in their own right. They're fantastic as well. They turn heel afterwards, so I'm sure we'll see a rematch at some point. To kick off the actual show, we had SCU beating Jurassic Express, which consisted of Jungle Boy, Eluchasaurus, and Marco Stunt. I love the whole act. I'm not a big fan of Marco's stunt, but Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus are a great duo. Specifically, Luchasaurus is a fucking star. This guy got a big reaction. No pun intended when he came out. The people loved Luchasaurus. Hopefully, it's not inevitable before we see Funkasaurus before a Luchasaurus versus uh, Luchasaurus. That's not really a match I want to see. I don't know if AEW is dumb enough to do it. But Luchasaurus is fantastic. Um, I don't know if he has... AEW world title written all over him. But the guy can go. He has a great look. He can speak. Um, He has his master's degree after all. This was a really fun match. And SEU are so perfect as the show opening guys. They opened up Double or Nothing. They were on the buy-in for Fighter Fest. They've been all over the card in the last couple of shows. They are just great. I'm glad they won here. They're the more regular tandem, uh, trio, whatever, of the two teams. But Jurassic Express was a lot of fun, too. I'm a big Luchasaurus fan. And hopefully we can see more of him and Jungle Boy in the weeks and months to come. Uh, More so in months to come, because they don't really have anything else coming up in the next few weeks up until the uh, AEW debut on TNT in early October. So then we had Kenny Omega versus Pac, which I guess is how they're pronouncing it. I thought it was Pac, but I guess it's Pac, tomato, tomato. But I'm I'm just going to say Pac, because that's what everyone else is saying right now. Um, obviously it was supposed to be Omega and John Moxley. I said last week here on the show, the fact that Moxley got bumped from the card might have been a blessing in disguise just because this match, not to say that it was, would have been better than Omega and Moxley. I feel like that would have been a great match regardless, but they can always save that match for a little later on down the road and build with some more. This kind of came out of nowhere. It was a great match. Not as amazing as it probably could have been. But for what it was, I thought it was a great match. Nothing on the line here, but you have to assume Pack is probably going to get a shot at the world title at some point, given his clean victory here, which was very surprising. Perhaps he has since signed with a uh, a full-time deal with AEW. I guess I shouldn't be surprised um, if he did beat Omega clean here. I would hope so anyway. But um, yeah, Omega loses another marquee match after already losing to Chris Jericho back at Double or Nothing. I don't know what they're doing with him. I would hope Moxley wins their next match. I was hoping Omega would win here, so he could lose to Moxley, but now I'm not so certain. Now I'm thinking that Moxley's going to lose to Omega so Omega can get his win back and go 2-for-2 two two in singles competition, because right now he's 1-2. and two. And by the way, I love the fact they showed their win-loss records under their nameplates as they were coming down to the ring. I-, I saw for Omega and a few others. I don't know if they were doing that with everyone, but uh, I thought that was a really nice touch to really drive home that wins and losses do matter. But um, anyway, this was a great match. Pack one clean. And they are setting up Pac and Adam Page, likely for the Full Gear show in November. We then had the Cracker Barrel clash between Jimmy Havoc, Joey Janela, and Darby Allin. Every bit as crazy as you would expect from these three guys. Personally, I'm not a fan of the hardcore wrestling shit. I really do think it's over the top. A lot of these spots were either cringeworthy or unnecessary or what. It was just fucking reckless. I guess you could say the same thing about uh, about the ladder match a little later on in the show with Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks. But like... I don't know, this match in particular gave me bad memories of like ECW, not in a good way. The crowd loved it, it was a fun match, but I'm just like, I really don't need to see this on every episode. Some people I saw were saying like, oh, I need this on every show, please more of this. I'm like, no thanks, do it once a year, every few months maybe, but on every show it would be fucking overkill. Um, this was good for what it was though, Jimmy Havoc did end up going over, to my surprise and many other people's surprise. I, I don't think many people had Jimmy Havoc winning this thing. But he did, and it was uh it was a good match. I will say though, they did reenact the awesome spot. It must have been Janela and Jimmy Havoc. I saw a match, I think, with those two. It was a street fight in New York City about two years ago. And Janela did this spot where Jimmy Havoc did this monkey flip to Janela, and Janela was like had a chair in his hand and he landed ass first in the chair after, you know, going through the monkey flip. I thought that was phenomenal. They did the same spot here, which was really cool, but uh yeah, this was fine. Uh, a tag team match we had up next with the winners rece- receiving a first round bye in the AEW World Tag Team Title Tournament between the Dark Order and the Best Friends. Good match. Um, might have been the weakest match on the show up to this point. The crowd was into it. I love the Best Friends. But the Dark Order does nothing for me. I said that last week during the show, but I feel like they're a more boring version of sanity. And that's saying something. They do absolutely jack shit for me. They're great in the ring. I'm not going to deny that. But in terms of, like, oh, excitement when I see them come down to the ring, nada. Zero. Zilch. They just bore me to tears. Of course, they did end up going over here. I am not surprised that AEW wants to build around them in their tag team division, build them up to be a credible tag team, make them a force to be reckoned with. I get it. Hopefully, they're not the inaugural AEW tag team champions, though. They have far better options, but as Loaded of a tag team division as they have. To turn around and put the belts on those guys over the Bucks, the Lucha Bros, LAX, even Best Friends, I think would be a mistake. So hopefully that's not where they're going with this. But anyway, uh, I already talked about Rio and Sheeta. Good match. Rio won, now facing Nyla Rose for the AEW Women's Championship on the October 2nd episode of AEW on TNT. Cody then took on Sean Spears, so... Cody was allowed one person at ringside coming into this contest. It could have been either MJF, Diamond Dallas Page, uh, Brandy Rhodes, his wife, or Pharaoh. So Pharaoh came out to the ring with Brandy and Cody. He he walked through the tunnel with everyone else. After the fireworks went off, he looked scared shitless. And I hope they never do anything else like that again because the, the the dog looked so scared. I felt so bad. That was a really dumb call. Um, but anyway, he ended up choosing MJF to be in his corner. And I could have sworn that MJF would turn heel here. He did not. They're clearly saving that for some other point down the road, uh, which is cool. They're showing resistance, and that's great. Uh, Sean Spears had Tully Blanchard in his corner. This had shenanigans written all over it. Tully Blanchard got more physical than I thought he would. He got involved a lot, as did MJF. I wasn't a big fan of that because I can't sit here and say, oh, with WWE, like, you know, the shenanigans in their matches make it shit like far too many... You know, far too much smoke and mirrors and all this other bullshit. And then praise this match for being perfect. Like, it doesn't exactly work like that. This was a great match, though. I thought this was an awesome match. Had too much bullshit involved. But for what it was, I thought they worked very well together. Told a great story with Sean Spears looking more intense and aggressive and determined than I've ever seen him before. And Cody just having a great performance per usual. Cody's been killing it since coming over to AEW, starting AEW, whatever. You know, he had some pretty good matches in Ring of Honor New Japan, but some of them were stinkers. And so far, he's four for four in terms of great matches. The Dustin Rhodes match was awesome. The um, Darby Allin match at Fighter Fest was awesome. The tag team match with the Young Bucks was great. A um, little long, not my cup of tea, but still a great match. And then this was also really, really good. I was surprised Cody ended up winning. I was very surprised by that. I thought Sean Spears would win to prolong the feud, apparently not. Uh, We did get an Arn Anderson cameo at one point in the matchup, which was really cool. Obviously, given his history with the uh, Rhodes family and Tully Blanchard as a fellow Four Horseman, it made sense. The crowd went nuts for it. I thought it was great. I just was not expecting to see him as he only left WWE a few months ago. But, uh, yeah, that was a cool cameo from Arn Anderson, double A himself. And, uh, yeah, Cody won, so we'll see where he goes from here. I would not be surprised that they built him up to be the next AEW World Championship challenger now that Jericho is the champion. Spoiler alert. Um, And I could see them doing that at the Full Gear show. I've seen other people say that. I completely agree, wholeheartedly agree, that it could be Cody and Jericho for the AEW World Championship at Full Gear in a few short months. Then we get to Escalera de la Muerte, the ladder match for the AAA World Tag Team titles, the Lucha Bros, Pentagon Jr. and Rey Phoenix, taking on the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson. This match was phenomenal. Now again... Personally, I'm biased because I'm a big fan of the Lucha Bros. I love the, I love the Young Bucks. And, you know, it's, it's hard to say that, oh, this wasn't a spot fest. It kind of sort of was. They told a great story, but at the same time, it really was a spot fest. It's hard to deny that. But I can't complain the match was as great as it was. Easily my favorite match in the entire show. My favorite, probably, AEW match to date. Um, of all the shows they've done so far, this is probably my my favorite match that I've seen. This was tremendous. Tremendous. A um, lot of crazy spots. I was shocked. None of these guys got fucking killed in this match. Very surprised by that. But they all put forth amazing efforts. This was a great match. And the Lucha Bros went over and retained their AAA World Tag Team title, shaking the hands of the Young Bucks afterward. But that was not all. That was not all. The I, I thought the lights went out, but instead we had two guys come out that were masked. Um, I forgot to say earlier, but the lights went out after the Young Bucks, or not Young Bucks, Best Friends, um, Dark Order match and Orange Cassidy came out of nowhere to lay out the cronies of Dark Order which was funny and then he celebrated uh, you know sort of with best friends and that's a trio I did not know I wanted until it, I, you know we got it I guess on, on Saturday but anyway so after the latter match out comes these two masked men who attack both teams the Lucha Bros the Young Bucks Lay waste to everyone in sight, only to reveal themselves to be L.A.X. or what used to be known as L.A.X. P.W. Insider reported a while ago that they could not use the L.A.X. name um, after leaving Impact earlier on in August, which makes sense. L.A.X. LAX was not their gimmick going into T.N.A., um, and that's not a Matt Hardy situation where they started the L.A.X. gimmick in T.N.A. or Impact, whatever. That was a T.N.A. gimmick, you know, long before. Um, those guys came into the company. So I, I understand them wanting to hold on to the rights to it and uh, you know, making them choose another name for their new endeavors. But um, yeah, Santana and Ortiz are officially in AEW and their tag team division is looking fucking phenomenal. I've said this before, but when you look at their tag team division, how fucking stacked it is, it's really unbelievable. We had four tag team matches of sorts on the show between... you know, All the teams on the show were awesome, but we have even more than what we saw here. We have... The Lucha Bros, the Young Bucks, Dark Order, Best Friends, SCU, Jurassic Express, Private Party, and Helico and Jack Evans. Um, Any more teams I'm missing? I'm sure there's more I'm just not thinking of. But, um, yeah, that's most of them. And now Santana and Ortiz. That's nine teams right there. I'm sure there's more I'm just not thinking of. The Rhodes Brothers, if you want to count them. Cody and Dustin, they're not really a full-time team, but you know, it's, it's an option, if nothing else. But um, yeah, and then you, you can always pair up like Janela and Havoc or Darby Allen and Joey Janela. You know, stuff like that. Or MJF and someone else, MJF and Cody. Um, they have a lot of tag teams. A lot of tag teams. And they're all excellent. They're all very great. So uh, hopefully they can continue to build off the tag team division they had. Because if they can maintain this, they will be light years ahead of not only WWE in terms of their tag team division... But Impact, Ring of Honor, New Japan, I couldn't name. I think there's more teams in AEW than there is in any of those other companies I just mentioned combined. Um, and that's saying something. NXT has a lot of great teams. I like the Street Profits. I like Undisputed Era. I think the Usos are great. Um, the New Day is great. The Revival's great. Ring of Honor, the Kingdom's all right. Um, Gorillas of Destiny, that's over New Japan. The Briscoes and Ring of Honor. The North and Impact. A lot of good teams, the Rascals, but none better than what AEW has right now, at least in my opinion. And then we get to the main event. No CM Punk sighting, by the way, for anyone wondering. The main event saw Chris Jericho versus Adam Page in a match to determine the first ever AEW World Champion. And I thought it was a really good match. They got a ton of time, excuse me, a ton of time, which I understood. It was the first ever AEW World Title match, so I, I, I get it. But, um, I don't know, I, la- I-, I thought it lasted a little long, just because the show was already pushing four hours, which is way too fucking long. If they really want to be a true alternative to WWE, they gotta go less than four hours. SummerSlam, I think, was three and a half hours. Um Extreme Rules was like three hours. A little over three hours. Or maybe that was Stomping Grounds, but it was something along those lines. It was one of those shows that ran shorter than expected. AEW, they would really benefit from having shorter shows. Now, I know they want to get everyone on the card, get everyone familiar with the talent on their roster. I get it. But at the same time, it's four hours, including a one-hour one, in, a one hour buy-in, a one-hour pre-show, is a lot to ask of an audience. Especially if they're going to have... I mean, I guess they're not. They won't be going forward. But, you know, if you're going to have a show like this every month, like WWE is, that's a lot. And I don't think they will. I think Tony Khan is more of a traditionalist. And it seems like he'll be having more of a, you know, uh, standard, less than, you know, expected approach with this type of thing where they'll have a couple pay-per-views a year. They're not having another one until November, which makes sense because AEW arrives on TNT in October to build to a pay-per-view that quickly would be a lot. So they have Full Gear, which is a dumb name by the the way. I mean, you can't shit on WWE for their bad pay-per-view names and then not shit on AEW for the same thing. Full Gear is a terrible pay-per-view name. I don't know what that is. I know they had the Full Gear Challenge a few months ago. Maybe it's in reference to that, but it's still stupid. Um, at the end of the day, the name of the pay-per-views really don't matter just because the pay-per-view is good. Who gives a fuck what it's called? Like Great Balls of Fire, I thought it was a very good show, and the pay-per-view name sucked. It was based off an old song from like the 50s or 60s or whatever, but the show is great. So that that's really just a side note. But yeah, they have full gear in November. And maybe they'll do shows every few months after that. Hopefully not on the same, you know, weekends as WWE shows. They're like, oh, we'll have another one in February. Like, wait until... Uh, or have another one in January. I would wait until, like, February to do another show. Um, to do one in January makes it obvious they're piggybacking off of WWE in their annual, you know, Survivor Series Rumble Mania SummerSlam schedule. I would go a little, you know, different. And I think they will. But just, to, yeah, it's worth throwing out there anyway. Um... What was I even saying? Jericho, Page, the full gear thing, that's their next show. I don't even remember what I was talking about, but um, this was a good match. Uh, I've seen better from Jericho. I've seen better from Page, But, uh, you know, I thought they captured the audience's attention well. They were hanging on every near fall. I thought it was a great match. Page looked very good in defeat. He was protected here, so he gained, or he lost nothing, rather, in defeat. Wasn't made to look like a loser, despite the fact he lost to Jericho, and you can make the argument, oh, the guy's 50, blah, blah, blah. Well, hey, he beat Kenny Omega Fair and square back a double or nothing, so he clearly still has it if he ever even lost him, which I would argue he didn't. He's not the same wrestler he was 10 years ago, but at the same time, I mean, you know, he's still a great heel, and I've talked about this before here on the show. He's a recognizable name. Um, and I think he was the right outcome. He was, he was the right choice to go with as the inaugural first ever AEW world champion. And now he goes into AEW on TNT as their champion, as their, um, you know, the face of the promotion, which I think is really, really cool. So like I said earlier, he's still an awesome heel. There's nothing, you know, you don't, there's nothing to take away from Jericho. He may not be the same wrestler he was a few years ago, even, But as a character, the guy is tremendous. He may not even have a long reign. They may turn around and take the title right off of him at either their debut show or full gear or whatever. You never know. But uh, I think it was the right call. I thought it was too soon for Peeves. That was pretty evident in this matchup. He just did not feel like a real threat to Chris Jericho. But Chris Jericho is your first ever and all-new AEW World Champion. So, that was um, All Out on Saturday. I thought it was a very fun show. I enjoyed it. Um, not a show that I felt like, oh, man, I had to be there. I feel so disappointed I didn't go. Like, not at all. I was very happy to watch from the hotel room and uh, just watch as a fan and not have to be there. I've been to a lot of wrestling this year, including a few AEW-related stuff. They just I didn't really have any desire to go to this show as well and pay out, you know, cough up more money and get mediocre seats and barely see anything it just wasn't really my cup of tea you can get an uber out of there for like a hundred dollars that would have been bad so uh anyway all out two thumbs up great show i thought though real quickly uk takeover cardiff was even better i thought nx the uk takeover cardiff was the superior show if you really want to compare which it's not really necessary but i thought that show was better i enjoyed the takeover more than all out and here's why Start to finish, I thought it was just a really fun night. They had a great crowd, two title changes, and one of the best main events I've seen all year. And it was for the WWE United, or rather, yeah, United Kingdom Championship. Walter facing Tyler Bate. Walter defending against Tyler Bate, I should say. Uh, they had awesome chemistry. The match went overly long, at like 40 minutes, but it never felt like 40 minutes, the same way that even Gargano and Cole did, or... You know, uh, the the Rhodes Brothers versus the Young Bucks. That felt like 30, 40 minutes. This did not. They probably could have cut it up a little bit and the finish came off as slightly anticlimactic. But overall, it was a great match. And um, one of the best matches I've seen all year. Better than anything at All Out. That's why I say that. I thought it was a better match than anything I saw at All Out, even over the latter match, which was tremendous. But um, yeah, real quickly, TakeOver Cardiff on Saturday. We kicked off the show Noam Dar versus Travis Banks. Really fun match. These guys worked well together. They had very good chemistry. Um, Noam Dar is a guy that I think is way better suited on NXT UK than on 205 Live. He feels like he felt like for a while there he was just spinning his wheels on 205 Live. He's a way better option. It's, it's a way better option to just put him on uh, NXT UK where he's you know received better by the audience, he's more motivated, he's having better showing, stuff like that. So it's cool to see him on NXT UK. And then Travis Banks is also great. I feel bad because he lost that match to Jordan Devlin many, many months ago. Um, You know, after he was bumped from the last TakeOver show. And the guy's great, but he really hasn't caught a break yet, which is a shame. But he's great, too. He feels like he's always coming up short whenever it matters most. Whether it was in last year's UK title tournament, or this year against Jordan Devlin, or against Walter when he went for the title, or even on this show against... Um, Noam Dar I really felt like Travis Banks should have won But that's neither here Nor there We had a surprise appearance By Cesaro um, Who issued an open challenge And he took on Ilya Dragunov I think that's how you pronounce it He's been in NXT UK now For about a few months Incredibly intense I know he was a big name Over in the UK wrestling scene Before he came over to WWE um, This guy is great too These guys went out there And had a terrific match It was just a lot of fun Hard hitting Very entertaining off despite not coming away with the victory, gained a lot in defeat. I thought Cesaro put him off put him over very well, despite the fact that Cesaro won. As he should have. I mean Cesaro's a main roster guy. He's credible. Um he's not a top top star, but he's been around for a long time. To have him lose here, I feel like would have been maybe not damaging, depending on how it was done, but he was really the smart choice. A lot like when he beat Sami Zayn all those times in NXT, including at Arrival. The whole story was that Sami Zayn was a rookie, Cesaro was like a main roster guy. At that point, Cesaro was ready to contend for the WWE Championship, the WWE World Heavyweight Championship at Elimination Chamber in February of 2014. So Sami Zayn beating Cesaro would have made no sense, but it was an amazing match, and Zayn gained a lot in defeat, and Cesaro shook his hand afterwards as he did here. Was I slightly disappointed that we did not get a cameo from Cassius Ono to reunite or have the Kings of Wrestling feud? Yeah, a little bit, but they could always build to that if they have Cesaro go back at some point. Um, I would love to see him have a full-on run in NXT UK. I don't think he is because he was back on Raw this week. But um, the guy is great, and um, hopefully at some point we could see more of Cesaro on NXT UK. That's what the brand needs. That's what Cesaro needs, and really it's a win-win all around. We also had for the NXT UK Tag Team Titles, Mark Web- or, uh, Mark Webster, mixing up the two names here, Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster, taking on the champions Grizzled Young Vets and Gallus. This was an awesome match. The crowd made this match. They wanted nothing more than to see their countrymen, Webster and Andrews. I think Webster's from Wales as well. Uh, from Wales as well. That's a tongue twister. I know um, Andrews is. I don't know about Webster. I believe he is after watching the Adrian Street documentary. He made it sound like he is from Wales, so he probably is. But anyway, uh, the the crowd made this match. They wanted nothing more than to see those guys win the titles. And when they did, it was a crazy reaction. This match was amazing. And uh, a great feel-good moment for Andrews and Webster as the new NXT UK Tag Team Champions. Uh, Awesome match. For the, I was going to say the NXT UK women's title, we'll get to that in a second. First, we had a last man standing match, pitting bomber Dave Mastiff against Joe Coffey. Another really good match. Um, They took their fight all around the uh, arena, utilized the stipulation well. And usually, you know, last man standing matches can be very hit or miss. They can either be really, really good, very exciting, or very fucking boring. I thought this was somewhere in the middle. I'm kind of going against my own rule here, but I thought it was kind of... It wasn't hit nor missed. It was it was kind of in the middle. I thought it was a good match. If I had to choose one or the other, I thought it was a very good match. Um, it was not amazing, but it was it was pretty good. Bomber Dave, uh, excuse me, Bomber Dave Mastiff losing here his first singles loss in NXT UK since coming over late last year, which was surprising. I was not expecting that, but um, he wasn't pinned, so we can't claim he's yet to be pinned or submitted in NXT UK. But this was a big win for Joe Coffey, and I was surprised that he won just because I figured they were setting up uh, Mastiff for a shot at the WWE United Kingdom title. I guess not yet, anyway. And maybe he'll bounce back and get his win back on NXT UK TV. I, I wouldn't think so. I would hope this was the end of the feud. But um, this was still really good stuff, and I thought both guys put forth uh, a great effort, awesome performances, very entertaining, hard-hitting match where they made great use of the stipulation, as I said earlier, and a bit of a surprising outcome. For the NXT UK Women's Championship, Kylie Ray beat Tony Storm for the title. Good match, but it could have been way better. I feel like they really short really slighted these girls for time. They were only given 10 minutes, which is kind of ridiculous when you consider that the main event went 40 minutes. That's a little much. Shave off, you know, 10 of those min- minutes, give 30 to the main event, 20 to the women. Maybe not 20, but at least 15. You know, 10 was really short. Tony Storm was hitting her finisher like halfway through. By five minutes in, they were already exchanging finishers. Which by that point, I was like, "Okay, this is way too abrupt, way too rushed." It wasn't bad, but it could have been way better. Uh, Kylie Ray winning the championship in a shock outcome. The the crowd was certainly not expecting it, but yeah, Kylie Ray is the all new NXT UK Women's Champion, and uh, I'm glad she's really, really good. There probably really wasn't anyone better to take the title from Tony than Kylie Ray. Uh, and based off how this was handled and Kylie Ray's post match comments, it certainly does look like the feud is not yet over. And they will build to some sort of um, you know, rematch at some point on TV or whenever the next um, you know, takeover is, which probably won't be for a while. We had this one in late August for the first time in seven months after the last one was in January. So it might be a while before they do another takeover. But I hope they do because this show is amazing. Uh, and then we get to the main event for the WWE United Kingdom Championship. Walter defending against Tyler Bate. Like I said earlier, this might be one of my favorite matches all year. And it never once felt like 40 minutes. And for a match that really felt predictable with Walter going over, Alexis said to me multiple times, like, Walter's going over, isn't he? I'm like, probably. I mean, I've seen stranger things happen, but Walter's definitely winning. I, I would be shocked if they took the championship off of him so soon. Um... But it was cool because they made you believe that Bate could win. He was a believable babyface, had the crowd behind him like crazy. He was a huge fan favorite in this matchup. And then Walter, just a gigantic asshole, you know, throwing his weight around literally, figuratively, with Tyler Bate, dominating him for the most part. Bate refused to give in, battled back, came close to winning the championship on a few different occasions, hit his finisher. Um, this was just a tremendous match with an amazing story told. And it's not a disconnect of like, oh, the UK wrestling isn't any good or blah, blah, blah. They kind of take it more seriously than we do or it's not as good as they think it is. Well, I dare anyone to find a match that was better on either this show or All Out or whatever in the last couple of weeks that was better than this. I thought this was amazing. One of the best matches I've seen all year. Probably match of the year contender as of right now. Uh, on all fronts, it was just a phenomenal showing and I loved it a lot. Walter, as predicted... Did come out on top, still the WWE United Kingdom Champion. Um, Had Imperium escort him out of the arena. And again, I like that too. No Imperium, no British Strong Style, no bullshit, no shenanigans and no interference, no nothing. But just some good old clean wrestling, which I loved a lot. So Imperium leaves and then British Strong Style Outcomes, Pete Dunne and Trent Seven to help up Tyler Bate and uh, kind of give a curtain call of sorts to the NXT UK audience and Pete Dunne is already over in NXT. He was in the hunt for the NXT North American Championship just recently at the TakeOver Toronto show. Um, so he's kind of over there, not full-time, but you know he, he's an NXT guy at this point. I could see the same thing happening for Bayton Seven. The tag team division would be the best place for them. They're great as singles guys too. Um, they would be awesome in the tag team division. The issue is is that we've already seen them versus Undisputed Era a bunch. We've already seen it like three times. Um, and granted, it was uh, Roderick Strong and not, um, what's his name, Bobby Fish, but the point still stands. I mean, it, it, it's definitely um, kind of the same match, so I'd be surprised if they rekindle that rivalry. But then again, the matches were so strong that I really have no issue with that. Um, but yeah, I could certainly see all three of them going to NXT full-time, though no, I would make the suggestion that they go to Raw or SmackDown, but it doesn't really feel like it doesn't really feel like there's a place for any of those guys, whether they're as a unit, tag team, on their own, whatever on either show right now, so I would love to just see them continue to do their thing continue to do their thing in both AEW and um, fucking a- why do they say e- e- AEW? I have the AEW results right in front of me, that's why um, in NXT, NXT UK I would hope they're not in AEW um, just because that would not be good contractually right now But yeah, I could see them doing their thing in both, but largely NXT going forward, and maybe they do rekindle the rivalry between um, Undisputed Era and... uh, Undisputed Era and the... I was going to say British Strong Style, but what's their tag team name? Mustache Mountain. Mustache Mountain. Within the next couple weeks or months or so, so we shall soon see. Uh, But TakeOver Cardiff was an amazing show. I fucking love the hell out of it. If you have yet to watch it, please do so. You're doing yourself a major disservice if you haven't. Uh, Real quickly from Raw and SmackDown before we close it out here, um, I thought, you know, everything on Raw and SmackDown for the most part was pretty solid, did a great job of building up the Clash of Champions card. Um, The King of the Ring matches were once again really well wrestled. We had the contract signing for the Universal Championship match at Clash of Champions with Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman. Ended when the OC interrupted and then we got Rollins and Strowman beating the OC in tag team action non-title. Um, we are getting the contract signing again next week with Stone Cold Steve Austin serving as the moderator, not moderator, the moderator, which is pretty cool. Um, so we'll get that next week on Raw at Madison Square Garden, something to look forward to. Robert Roode and Ziggler beat uh, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins, good match, to give them a momentum boost heading into the Raw Tag Team title match next uh, Sunday at Clash of Champions. Lacey Evans beating Natalya, a much better match than Lacey Evans had, and then Lacey Evans had with uh, Bailey on SmackDown last week. This was a good showing from her, and uh, Lacey Evans won. She was coming across as more aggressive than usual, and if this is the direction her character is going in, then I'm a fan because she needs to develop. The, she needs to develop the character more before she can be considered a contender for that Raw Women's Championship again. But I thought it was a fine match. Sasha Banks interrupted Becky Lynch. And they went back and forth on the mic, saving their physicality for later on. She first said Clash of Champions, but of course Sasha would get physical with Becky a little later on in the show. And our first King of the Ring quarterfinal match of the night, or at least I think it was our first quarterfinal match. Did we have another match? No, or maybe I didn't write about it here. Oh no, our second match was a little later on with the Ricochet and Samoa Joe. I thought I, I thought I wrote it out of order in my Raw review. But we had Baron Corbin versus Cedric Alexander. Great match. I thought Alexander was an amazing babyface here. And a lot like with Buddy Murphy and Ali and Chad Gable now, um, they really need to capitalize off this momentum for Cedric Alexander. And I think they will. Based off what we saw before the match, he had an out for losing because not only was his ankle hurt um, coming out of last week's match with Cesaro on Raw when Cesaro locked in the ankle lock on, on Cedric, he was attacked by AJ Styles and the rest of the OC backstage before this match. So you had an out for losing, and hopefully we get AJ and Cedric at the next pay-per-view. I know they had a match in Ring of Honor years ago, and it was great. I would love to see it again in WWE, at Clash of Champions specifically for the United States Championship. But yeah, Baron Corbin advancing, no issue with it. The guy has been doing some great work recently. I know that sounds weird coming off of my thoughts on his uh, main event run a few months ago, but... He just should not have been in the main event scene, to put it plain and simple. There was no reason for him to be going for the Universal Championship when he was. Um, but at this level, I think Baron Corbin is great, and we could very well end up getting Baron Corbin and Chad Gable in the finals of the tournament. And hopefully Chad Gable were, you know, is to win that thing. And if he is, then he would be a megastar, hopefully. But uh, this was good stuff. The Viking Raiders once again beating two job guys named Brian Thomas and Tyler Casey. Um, I guess they're being positioned as babyfaces now, which is better than nothing because they've been doing a whole lot of nothing for a long time now. Ricochet and Cesaro ended a uh, Ricochet and Samoa Joe, not Cesaro, excuse me, ended in a draw in the quarterfinals of the King of the Ring tournament. Logically, this would lead to both men getting eliminated, Baron Corbin getting a bye to the finals, but they're not doing that. Um, it's going to be a triple threat next week in the. Um, in the semifinals on the Raw side of the King of the Ring tournament, which is so silly, but it should be a great match. And I assume it will lead to Baron Corbin pinning either Ricochet or Joe. I and mean, obviously. obviously. Um, but I feel like they're doing this to protect Ricochet. So I think Ricochet will hit the, you know, 640 on Joe. Corbin will swoop in, throw out Ricochet, and pin Joe for the win. I think that's what they're going for here. And uh, we get, you know, Baron Corbin and Chad Gable at the next show at Clash of Champions. I... Not a whole, you know, 100% confident in that pick because they've done a lot of shocking outcomes in the tournament so far. But uh, it would be a great match, if nothing else. So we'll see how it shakes out in the weeks ahead. But that triple threat on Raw next week should be a lot of fun. The Miz also beat Cesaro to continue building momentum as he is now the number 1 contender to the Intercontinental Championship at Clash of Champions. We then had the main event, Becky Lynch and Bayley, uh, taking on the women's tag team champions, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, in non-title action. This the match was fine. It was really a lot less about the match and more what happened afterward, with Bailey going heel, which I really think is the best thing for her. Now she is a natural babyface. If you told me four years ago when she won the NXT Women's Championship at Barclays Center, or even when she debuted on the main roster in the Barclays Center the very next year, I think on the one-year anniversary of that exact same night, that Bailey would be going heel. And that it was a good idea. I would have called you crazy, but she has felt so stagnant now. it Felt so stagnant now for such a long time. I thought they would have turned her heel months ago, when she first became the SmackDown Women's Champion. Took a little longer than expected, but I liked the idea a lot. Her reign was not lighting the world on fire. She needed something to sink her teeth into, and I think this is it. And I think she can really thrive of off uh, thrive off of this alliance with Sasha, because she works well with Sasha anyway. Uh, I'm I'm sure they'll work well together again here. And they can have a great run as a a, heel tandem. So I like it a lot. And uh, we'll see where it goes. They could flub it by next week. She explained her actions on SmackDown, so I might as well talk about SmackDown real quick. And Charlotte came out to be like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they went back and forth to kind of, you know, Charlotte was doubting her motivations and whatnot, her motives. And that led to Sasha and Bailey laying out Charlotte too. So honestly, if they show enough restraint, I would love to see... A 4 horse women main event. Maybe not. Main event as of right now, because I don't know what else would be the main event if it's not this match. A 4 horse women match at WrestleMania 36 for either the Raw or SmackDown or both women's championships. Uh, we've seen the match before in NXT at TakeOver Rival, I want to say, in February of 2015. The match was awesome, and we have yet to see it on the main roster. I actually don't think we've ever seen all four women in the same place at the same time in WWE. I don't. Maybe in a rumble. Um, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, weren't they all in the rumble? No, Sasha was not in the women's rumble, so it would not have been the women's rumble. Not Survivor Series. I don't think, because I don't think Sasha and Bailey were on the Survivor Series team this year. Um, this past year. So, mm, maybe in 2017. 2017, no, I think Charlotte faced Alexa Bliss at Survivor Series 2017. So yeah, I don't think we've ever seen the four horsewomen in the same place at the same time in WWE on the main roster. And this would be the place to do it at WrestleMania. Um, If they can hold off that long, that's really the question. If they can hold off until WrestleMania to do that match. And if they can, it would be a spectacle because I think it'd be a great match. and um, There's a lot of history to build off of there. I don't know if Becky wins again or if you give the win to Sasha. Or Bailey, I I really don't know, but uh, or Charlotte, because she lost at Mania this year, but uh, that's what I would do. And name me another match that would be a bigger main event than that right there. If it's not the Four Horsewomen main eventing WrestleMania 36, what else do you have main event the show? Now people could get sick of this story between now and then. Would not blame them if they did, because that's a that's a long time to pay attention to one story. But if they tell it in an interesting fashion, then it won't matter. But that being said. Uh, when it comes to you know main events of WrestleMania 36, what other match could realistically main event WrestleMania 36 if it's not this four-way? They have Rollins, they have AJ, they have a lot of top stars between the two brands. Kofi Kingston currently. I don't think any of those guys are main eventing WrestleMania. Unless The Rock comes back or Brock Lesnar faces either one of them or any one of those guys I mentioned, I don't know. I really don't. So, uh, yeah, I would do the Four horse women main event as WrestleMania's 36th headline attraction for either the Raw or SmackDown Women's Championships. Um, Elias beat Ali in the King of the Ring uh, Tournament quarterfinals on SmackDown. Very good match. One of the best Elias matches I've seen in forever. I thought this was good. Not a fan of Elias, you know, beating Ali and advancing over him, but it made sense with Chad Gable advancing a little later on in the show, which was an awesome match that he had with Andrade. Those guys went out there and fucking killed it. Um, Gable had a great showing Andrade was awesome as usual The crowd was into it They were going nuts for this shit They really wanted Gable to win And he did The crowd went nuts when he did So it was, it was awesome It was really cool to watch um, Fire and Desire Is what they're officially going by now Mandy Rose and Sonya beat Bliss and Cross In non-title action So there's your Clash of Champions WWE Women's Tag Team title match uh, Randy Orton and The Revival Once again attacked Kofi Kingston a Further build hype for the uh, WWE title match At uh, Clash of Champions Alistair Black quickly squashed Shelton Benjamin. Short and sweet match. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura beat some local jobber. Sami Zayn talking at ringside. I like the pairing of Nakamura and Zayn, but they got to cut that shit out. Nakamura and Zayn is not a good... It's a good pairing, but Zayn talking during the matches is not going to work. It's not a good fit. It's going to get old real quick, the same way that it did with Leo Rush all those months ago, late last year. And with the a- uh not AEW, but AW, Abraham Washington, if you remember him, um, close to, uh, what, seven years ago? He said some dumb stuff on the mic and got himself fired. Leo Rush didn't get himself fired. He was in trouble with the company for other stuff, but they both ended up, you know, taking time off from TV soon after, and hopefully uh, Sami Zayn is not next. Eric Rowan. But then again, we already had Sami Zayn mention AEW earlier this year, and that was not enough to get him in trouble, which I feel like it was a planned line anyway. It was a scripted line then nothing will. Anyway, um, Eric Rowan revealed that Daniel Bryan had nothing to do with the attacks on Roman Reigns, that it was all him. I still say it was a ruse. I still think they'll come out and say that it was a ruse, that, you know, Rowan has been working closely with Bryan the entire time. We'll see, but at least it's getting interesting. It's better than it was a few weeks ago, or even as, you know, as early as last week. You know, as late as last week, the show was really not all that interesting, so I'm glad they are uh, progressing the story nicely as of Tuesday, SmackDown. And that does it for today's WrestleRant Radio. That's everything from Raw, SmackDown, All Out, and TakeOver Cardiff on Saturday. Um, All great shows. I'm really looking forward to this fall in wrestling. Uh, We have Raw and SmackDown doing better recently. AEW arrives on TNT on October 2nd. NXT arrives on the USA Network live um, in two weeks from this Wednesday, I believe. We have Clash of Champions next Sunday. We have... Total Divas coming back if that's your thing in early October. A lot to look forward to, I would say, and I, for one, am very excited. So until next week, guys, you can check out new episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday, not only on nextwrestling.net, but also on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Tune in radio. We're all over the place. So subscribe today for new episodes every single Thursday and all the archived episodes dating back to the show's debut in October of 2013. As for me, folks, you can find me on the socials on Twitter at WrestleRant on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews, and also on YouTube at YouTube.com backslash C backslash Graham GSM Matthews. Until next week, guys, have an awesome one. I'm Graham GSM Matthews, and I'll catch your ass down the road.